Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. I think it's really narcissistic, especially by today's standards. When you think about um, what like restoration and preservation mean, to say that like uh, I'm just going to add a statue of myself to the thing that I'm restoring, it seems crazy I, that you could do that. Hello and welcome to Today I Learned by Magoosh. Uh, Magoosh is a test prep company and our content experts spend hours and hours every day um, researching to write questions and passages about really every topic imaginable. Um, Today I Learned is a podcast uh, about the fascinating things that we learn while we're researching and writing. Um, I'm Peter and I'll be kind of helping us go through this uh, this lily field of uh, inanity. Um, today I'm joined by uh, Lucas, who's going to be discussing um, uh, the Notre Dame Cathedral um, in a way that I'm sure you've never heard before. Also in the studio with us we have Chris, Hi. Um, who is a Notre Dame newbie, um, but you got to learn more. All right, hi. Um, so I learned a little bit more about the restoration of the Notre Dame while um, going through the material for a text for the TOEFL, which is the test of English as a foreign language. And just for a little bit of background, the TOEFL really likes uh, European history. Um, think of that what you will, but it, it brings up uh, older European history quite a bit. Um, and this is so something relatively representative of um, something that students might have to read on the TOEFL uh, to show that they show their English skills. So anyways, the uh, Notre Dame, I mean obviously one of the most ca famous cathedrals on the planet, right? Um, and it, it dates back to I think the 12th century. It has a very long history. It is one of the first um, examples of Gothic architecture. It's has massive cultural importance. Um, even when it was built, it was built because it was supposed to be this huge, important church for France. Um, it's not just like an accident. This has been a cultural epicenter for for centuries and centuries. So it, it has had a lot of importance over time and it's gone through a lot of changes and it's gone through a lot of uh, like destruction, ransacking, etc. Now the interesting thing to me was uh, I was reading up on the restoration of it that happened uh, many centuries after it was built. So I'm going to kind of fast forward centuries here from the 1100s when it's built to the French Revolution. And in the revolution, uh, we have one of the most, like, significant destructions of the church. There's a lot of stuff that gets destroyed, replaced, changed, ransacked. It's actually used as, like, a food warehouse for quite a while, right? Uh, during the French Revolution, there's not a whole lot of respect for religion, right? So there's just uh, not much purpose for this gigantic cathedral that's a representation of the uh, Catholic Church in France for for quite some time. But, uh, uh, well, architecture kind of goes cyclically, right? There's a lot of styles of architecture that disappear and then come back up. So you get uh, classic architecture and then you have neoclassicism and then you have, is, you have Gothic architecture and then you have Gothic revival. So this is... Uh, kind of bound to happen in a way. After the um, French Revolution, when all this stuff gets taken down, destroyed, ransacked, eventually things come back around and people say, uh, 
well, hold on. We want to. We we like that. We want to bring that back. We want to bring back that that Gothic architecture. We have respect for this cathedral again, and that actually happens just like forty years later. It's it's not a long time in this uh, cycle here, but eventually people want to um, bring it back to its former glory. And so, what really interested me about this and this restoration is why it happened, how it happened, and who the people were. So. You know the book Hunchback of Notre Dame, right? Yeah. And this book is hugely important in France when it's published. It's not published as The Hunchback of Notre Dame. That's the English title. It's just uh, Notre Dame de Paris, the, uh, the Notre Dame of Paris, Our Lady of Paris, the, the name of the cathedral. And it's mostly just about that cathedral. It's, it's about the architecture. There's long parts of the book that just describe the building because um, the author, Victor Hugo, has a deep love for architecture um, and for Gothic architecture and for this cathedral in particular. And this is sort of representative of what the people of the time end up thinking. But... What do you mean by the people of the time thinking? Um, thinking? So, the people of, I'm talking about the people of France and the um, this sort of shift in mentalities away from uh, what had been popular in architecture into a, a an embrace of past um, of France's past and an embrace of the Gothic architecture um, that is so representative of many centuries from, as I said, from like the 12th century okay. up until uh, 16th, 17th century later. So the people uh, who have read uh, Victor Hugo's book and um, the public opinion that is sort of swaying more towards um, embrace of this, this, uh, this rich history don't exactly think about it in the same way that you'd expect because the mentality at the time is uh, Victorian restoration, it was called in England. I think it's just Gothic revival um, in the French um, version of this mentality. Uh, this is a, it is a movement for restoration of things to a, to, to a, um, a state in which they may have been in the past or may not have been. And there's a quote from this pretty important guy I'm going to mention in a minute who that says basically that, um, that he is trying to bring things back to a former state which may not have actually existed at any given point, a state of completion that may not have existed. So that's kind of funny, right? What, what, what is the difference between just saying, hey, look, the cathedral's getting a little old, let's do a touch-up here and there and make it you know, somewhat valid, versus let's redesign it in this way that might be different from what's ever existed? Yeah, I, that's, that's a good point. I mean, that's really the the difference here between restoration and preservation. And so, all right, there's actually two guys alive at the same time who are part of this conversation. And one of them, uh, Jean Violette Le Duc, is given the reins in the restoration of the Notre Dame. The other guy is John Ruskin. He's a, um, a he's a art critic, a sort of just a culturally important figure, writer, artist um, of the time. and. Le Duc, Villa Le Duc, thinks that restoration means, well, 
bringing it back to its former state, as I mentioned. Um, the other guy, Ruskin, is more into preservation. So Villette-le-Duc takes charge of this restoration of the cathedral, and he's going to add stuff to it. He's not just going to keep it how it is. He's not just going to protect it. He's going to bring it back, because keep in mind that after and during the French Revolution, things were destroyed. So there's this big central spire. If you look at a picture of the, uh, the cathedral, there's this giant spire in the center. And this spire is actually a replacement. The original spire was taken down during the Revolution. The original spire was also a lot smaller. It wasn't quite such a thing. It was a, a small bell tower. And instead, they replace it with this uh, Violet Le Duc replaces it with this gigantic spire that never existed before. So this is a really big difference because this isn't just about conservation, about keeping it how it is, but about building it up. This sounds crazy to me. It's like someone saying, "Oh, look, the Statue of Liberty is getting kind of old. She's got a little torture skipper, like a massive spear." Are people <laughs> going to be upset? It's yeah, it is kind of nuts. And it's funny you mentioned the Statue of Liberty. Actually, that same guy, Violet Le Duc, was. Um, huh. He was, he didn't end up doing it, but he was given the opportunity at least, I'm not sure how far this went, to design the inside of the Statue of Liberty. Oh. So this, he ends up being a very influential architect. Um, when he starts on the Cathedral of Notre Dame, he's not so influential, he's actually pretty young. But uh, yeah, it, it, it is a little bit controversial. It was back then, too. That's why, so Ruskin calls Violet Leduc's uh, work essentially an abomination. He says, like, this is disgusting what you're doing to this, because remember, Ruskin really just wants to preserve it right. um, for history's sake. And they actually have some things in common. I'm presenting them like they're two opposite sides of the same coin or something, or, you know, like they're black and white. But uh, Ruskin's ideas influence Leduc, uh, Violet Leduc over time. I don't fully know the nature of their relationship, if they even have more than one or two writings um, that that uh, disagree with each other. So, but in this specific case, Ruskin was against what Leduc was doing. So, how much flashier? Just really, how much more did Leduc do to the cathedral? He added a lot, and it's funny because the things he added are some of the most. Um, some of the things that you really think of when you think of uh, the cathedral at Notre Dame, uh, the, the Notre Dame Cathedral. So if you're thinking about the gargoyles when you think of Notre Dame, as a lot of people would, um, I mean, imagine, for example, the, the Disney movie, you've got the talking gargoyles jumping around. Um, I mean, there's a reason why they're chosen as characters. The gargoyles are really a part of the image of the cathedral. Um, and by the way, they're not technically gargoyles. Gargoyles are um, something that... Uh, are on the end of a drain pipe, like a face on the end of a drain pipe to run off the water. So I'm going to call them, uh, you can call them grotesques or uh, chimeras. Um, so they're, they're grotesques. I love that word. It's a great thing to describe them as because, you know, they make funny faces, etc. So these grotesques um, on the top of the building uh, are, are complete fabricated by Violet Le Duc. They just were not there before. There are, I believe, some gargoyles that have been on um, on the sides of the building, but they're, they're very small decorations. They're not these giant statues, these giant figures, um, you know, these winged and horned creatures that are uh, what we think of when we think of the, quote, gargoyles on top of... Um, the Notre Dame, right? right? So he just he just creates these, puts them on top. The spire, um, as I said, he added this gigantic spire in the middle of it, um, and 
a funny bit about this, one of the um, saints on that spire, there are a few saints, uh, statues of saints surrounding it. One of them, um, the statue of St. Thomas, uh, Violet Leduc's face is actually in that statue, on that statue. That is, St. Thomas's face is uh, modeled after Violet Leduc. Wait, so he actually, like, for instance, if someone, let's say Leduc's mom or someone who knew Leduc well, if they went there and looked at that statue, they'd recognize Leduc. I suppose they would. Um, I'm not really sure how much you can take a... Um... Sure, but just that he attempted to do that sounds completely narcissistic. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. I think it's really narcissistic, especially by today's standards. When you think about um, what like restoration and preservation mean, to say that like uh, I'm just going to add a statue of myself to the thing that I'm restoring, it seems crazy I, that you could do that, and also have it become such iconic pieces, such quintessential pieces of um, something that's so important to history. But there's really just a fabricated history here, and just to sort of drive that point home, how weird this is, um, how strange that this uh, person could totally change our perception of history. Like I said, those, um, those uh, gargoyles in, uh, in the Disney movie, they are fabrications of Violet Leduc. They are not from the original cathedral. But think about it. That movie is based on a book that was written before the restoration. And in fact, that book is partly why the restoration happened in the first place. Because people loved this book so much, they loved the cathedral, they, they publicly funded the cathedral to bring it back to the state that it should have been because of this book. But the book is uh, about a cathedral that really predates a, a former version of it the restoration, and now when we imagine that book, we imagine the restored version of it, and by restored I mean, you know, added to, augmented, um, which is pretty weird. Was uh, Victor Hugo the author of The Hunchback version? Was he alive to see these changes? Yeah, he was, he was. He's, uh, a, I'm pretty sure at least, I'm not positive about that. Uh, he's basically contemporary, he's... Uh, I mean, the book was only written 10 years before the Restoration happened, so... Um, oh, yeah, yeah, he was definitely alive. The Restoration took, like, 25 years. We're just looking it up now, and it looks like he died in 1885, and I believe the, uh, the entire Restoration happened from, like, the 1940s through the... Or, sorry, the 1840s through the 1860s, so he would have been alive throughout the whole process. Um, Do we know what he thought about it at all? That's a good question. I don't really. Um, I think that, for the most part... It, 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 he just would have been happy to see the love of architecture that his book partly inspired um, because uh, that book is uh, he, partly written because he sensed that architecture was falling out of favor, that people didn't love architecture the way they used to, and that there's a certain poeticism in architecture um, which he felt like was being lost. So maybe this, this increased... Um, notice at least people were paying more attention to this gigantic gothic cathedral that uh, had been so that had fallen out of favor so much after after the revolution i imagine that he probably would have been happy with it but i just i don't really know well maybe as modern viewers were we to somehow be able to see that old cathedral pre-restoration maybe we would be underwhelmed and maybe we would actually despite his possible narcissism give credit to Leduc. Yeah, it's, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, you have to give him some credit because obviously people like the changes he made, right? <laughs> I mean, if we are now thinking about those things not as like weird additions, but as, um, as 
symbols of the of the cathedral itself, then we must have, for some reason, uh, fallen into the fallen into the, the invented history that Violet Le Duc wanted for this building, the added um, flourishes that he thought were appropriate for it, and it seems like it worked. We believe it. Yeah, it seems that had this been some cathedral I didn't feel that strongly about, and had you mentioned this, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think too much about it. Oh, this guy added some more here, but because we have this idea of the Notre Dame being this beautiful cathedral, how dare somebody touch it? But that whole idea is based on the fact that, that someone did touch it and perhaps made it better. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, there's a. It was not given. Um, for example, it, it wasn't given the current stained glass windows that people might think of as part of its beauty until after World War II, and the the stained glass windows previous to that, of course, um, were damaged by the war. So we. Really, we can't just think about it as a static piece of work. I mean, just no building that's been around for eight hundred something years is going to be a single, uh, a single work. It's go it's going to change over time. And um, as long as we believe the beauty of it now is related to its history, and that we didn't just build it out of nowhere, I guess depending on your your you know your way of thinking about it, that's why not. <laughs> Great. Um, thanks for listening, everyone, to Today I Learned by Magoosh. I want to thank our host, Lucas, uh, and our guest, Chris, for joining us. Thank you, guys. Um, Magoosh's mission is to make education more accessible, enjoyable, and effective. You can check out our affordable test prep options for the GRE, GMAT, LSAT, SAT, TOEFL, and ACT, and so many others uh, on our website, magoosh.com. Our theme music is by Pink Zebra. Our show is produced by Lena Brooks, Lucas Fink, and me. Uh, thanks for listening. I never figure out how to turn this on. <laughs> <laughs> it's on